Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Uh, man, you guys are in for it tonight. You're in big trouble. But I, I want to mention something before we get into that, though. Uh, we will be, and the whole crew, it'll be, well, it'll be uh, me, uh, you, Amber, who's on the other microphone here, uh, and Bonnie, I'm sure she always comes along for this trip, too. We're going to be at the Haunted America Conference in Alton, Illinois. It'll be our fourth time going back there since we've kind of been doing the show again. And that's on uh, June. Oh my God, I pulled twenty first and twenty second. <laughs> I, I ripped down the calendar again. Yeah, June twenty first and twenty second. Our beautiful, uh, great, and powerful friend Troy Taylor. That's his conference. beautiful, great, and powerful Troy. I think he fits under all of Troy, those. Troy, you are beautiful and great and powerful, like out of Oz. I think he fits under all them names. You think? Yeah, he's beautiful. He's great, and he's powerful. He's, he's Troy a, Taylor. He's a, well, Troy's a beautiful work right, here, of let, art let me, now. Let me, let me try this. He's beautiful. He's great. He's powerful. He's Troy He's Troy Taylor. Dude, he's gonna isolate that. <laughs> no, he won't even listen. Trump. He's not listening. He's not, but maybe we will. should just somebody we, will let him know. Well, please, someone. <laughs> let no, Troy no. know that we yeah. made, we just made a commercial for him without him knowing it. But no, we're gonna be there on uh, June twenty first and twenty second. Um, it's our pleasure to be there. We're gonna be there hanging out, and we're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna bring the rig this time around. We have a. We kind of have this new equipment now. That's way more. No, we're mobile. not just gonna bring the laptop and a single. Single microphone <laughs> no, for the gonna, room. <laughs> yeah, no, that was so bad. Was that last year? Oh, it yeah, was last it was year. Last year, but it came out okay. Yeah, for a makeshift setup. It was fun. I mean, it worked. I had to, I had to jog around the levels a little bit to make Those it. Those were shows legible. with Sherry Break. Yeah, Sherry Break. Uh, break. Friend. I never know how to say her last name. Breaky or Break? Sherry Break. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cody from uh, well, ha- Haunted American Amer- podcast. American Haunting's podcast, yeah. American Haunting, yeah. Yeah, and our dear friends. Oh my God! And I'm gonna I'm gonna get killed for this. Coy and Felicia. Coy and Felicia, and what was their show? It's on the side of the rack here, I think. Until Dawn podcast. Although yes. I don't know if they're very active with their podcast. They're still pretty awesome people, though. No, and they I are. They're super cool, and year. I follow them on Facebook. And yeah. I don't really they're- go on Facebook much these days, but. Um, they go to dis they're Disney fanatics. Oh boy, a boy, yeah. boy Disney Park fanatics. Like not necessarily well, every regardless, movie in, but uh. they're amazing people and I hope I get to see them again this year. I hope I know we all would like to hang out with them again. Uh and that's what we yeah, we kinda were doing that really rough room mic thing. This year I think we're gonna do some a little bit more elaborate. We have the equipment now to do it, and so I'm excited to go down there and get some really cool stuff uh from the Haunted America conference with the Great and powerful. Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor. <laughs> Troy. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> we talked to Dina Ray tonight, um, somebody we just met. And we talked about a lot of things. Um, it got. I didn't expect, frankly, to have the conversation we had like, to that degree. But it was beautiful and it was interesting. Uh, Dina Ray lives with her husband and two daughters, and she has three dogs outside of Dallas. Uh, she has been interviewed on numerous uh, on numerous uh, times on blogs, newspapers, and syndicated radio programs. Yeah, she was just on Richard Serrett's show. Was she? Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's, yeah. Um, she studies religion, UFOs, uh, the New World Order, government conspiracy, political intrigue, and other cultures. Crowns and Cabals is her eighth and latest novel. Uh, Dina Ray is, an, is a writer, and... She's just somebody I wanted to talk to. She, I, we kind of had a, a meeting, and I, I, I was interested in her ideas. So you know, we just talked for a while. I don't know any other way to say this. We just had a really interesting conversation about the new world order and one world government and stuff like that. 
So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's not a ghostly. This is our conspiracy side. We touched on it. Oh, we can't Wait, forget. did we mention? We did. We kind of mentioned de- demons got involved. However, however, um, here is the spoiler warning right now. I wrote this down oh. so I wouldn't forget. If you have not seen the movie, uh, the movies Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley Kubrick, or the movie Hereditary, which I've mentioned a handful of times on the show because I love that movie so much. You know, much. but isn't there can't isn't there kind of an expiration date after a while? I'm doing the spoiler warning. Okay. I don't want to get right. sued by anybody. I don't think anyone's going to sue you for releasing somebody movie will be, details. Somebody will be offended that we spoil the movie for them, <laughs> and they'll sue okay. us for mental duress okay. because they wanted to see that movie sometime down yeah. the road, and we fucked it up for them. Like, someone so, just told me if I don't finish Game of Thrones, like, that expires. Like, people around me can start to talk about it. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. There is an expiration date on that. I agree, so, but I don't want to be sued by anybody. I finished it. Just for the record, I like the ending. Oh, it's for the record. Crown of Talons or whatever the hell it is. Game, Game of Thrones. Crown of Talons is the Conan song. I just remembered. Ugh. Game of Thrones. Get with the culture. I haven't seen it. I have never <laughs> seen an episode uh-huh. of Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, you would love it. Let me do the Valley Girl on that one. No. I, I, I've i never seen an episode of Game of Thrones ever. Mm-mm. Don't no. work? No. Uh, okay. No, I have. I honestly haven't, but I don't want a badge of honor. I think I said this. I mean, I mentioned that on this show before. Like that that term, I have never seen a uh, an episode of Games of Thrones. What is it? What's it called again? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I have never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. It's like the new I voted. Like I voted. Oh, if that's what it is. Yeah. Okay? Get over yourself. I haven't seen it either. I'm not any better than anybody else is. Um, I'll probably end up watching it someday because everybody I talk to is like, dude, are you No, are you, you are a little crazy. And it's not, I know you don't want to watch things like Lord of the Rings and because it's not your thing. You're it's not a fantasy guy. I'm not much guy. into fantasy. I yeah. know, but Game of Thrones is not really fantasy. It's just an alternate world. Yeah. And there's like one, there's like a couple fantasy elements, but they're not, it's not the overarching theme. Is Troy Taylor there? No, well... Troy Taylor Troy rules. Taylor actually would be a good wildling. Troy, Troy Taylor has the crown. I could see him being in the north. Or, again, or he has the throne, not the crown. The throne. Troy Taylor is on the throne. Sure. Can no. Really mentioned He's Troy a wildling. We got to stop. Okay, we have to stop with this. We got to stop talking about Troy. We talked to Dina Ray. This was a super, super interesting show. Guys. Enjoy. Enjoy. I want to say first off, thank you for taking some of your valuable time to sit here and chat with us. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot for you to come here and have a conversation with us. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, it's our it's our pleasure entirely. Um, now, I think we're going to cover a lot of stuff here, and it's something we haven't talked 
about in a very long time on this show. I can't remember since we kind of come, started doing the show again a few years ago. We really haven't touched on I, uh, these type of subjects. No, unless we were bringing up Alex Jones. Oh, we were making, well, yeah. <laughs> not really making fun of him, but going, oh my God, <laughs> what has happened to this poor man? Uh, but that's not even in the same silo as what we're going to be talking about tonight. Dina, thank you again for joining us. But let's start. I mean, now the term New World Order, I think that gets thrown around. Uh, I, I want to say kind of frivolously these days. I think a lot of people just throw that term at anything they may not agree with the way our society's going, right? Um, so to, uh, based on that, like, what is your interpretation of what the New World Order is? Well, that's a great question, just so we're all on the, the same page, because there are different versions of New World Order. And then, of course, like you said, the phrase has been tossed around by celebrities uh, as well as Illuminati symbols and all this other stuff that yeah. I would be willing to bet they don't even know what it means. Okay. Uh, the uh, the New World Order phrase was actually started in the 1940s under the famous author H.G. Wells. He wrote The New World Order, of course, the, the title. And then he, you probably know him by War of the World. Oh, yeah. absolutely, it, yeah. Uh, Dr. Morneau or Moreau. I went to Dr. Island. Moreau. Yeah, yeah. He's he's that that guy. He's the one who, of course, started the phrase, and then it it really picked up a huge momentum in the 1990s when George H. W. Bush, uh, old man Bush, used it in a speech when he was talking about the Persian Gulf War. Um, hit the, that phrase, um, of course, inspired uh, some other writers, uh, most famously uh, a, a Christian leader named Pat Robertson, to write a book called The New World Order and what that means uh, in the Christian com community. Okay. Now, there are different versions of New World Order. So, you know, let me let me be clear which one I'm I'm talking about. Okay. The uh, well, first, some people just consider New World Order a global takeover. The the inner circle of elites want to rule the world, and they will. That and that's kind of it. It, it. That's the whole story. And then other people interpret the New World Order as a anti-Semitic thing. They think the Rothschilds uh, who run the World Bank and the IMF, uh, among other banking institutions, are uh, in on uh, ruling the world and uh, they're anti-Jewish. That, that's not the New World Order okay. that I'm talking about. Uh, then there's the New World Order where, again, we have a secret society who want to rule the world, but they want to usher in the aliens who they have been communicating with. Now, that one is a little bit warmer for me. I'm, I'm open to that. I, I uh, do think that extraterrestrial life does exist. So that one makes you know a little bit more sense. But the one that I'm specifically talking about is the one in the Bible where Christians believe that in the end of days, a, uh, 
uh, Antichrist will rise and take over the world. And, um, of course, his inner circle will help him do it. Okay, so an Antichrist, you said, will take over the world. I mean, I mean, are we talking about the devil himself, old scratch, or is this some, is this some other uh, entity we're talking about? Well, that's a good question. It depends what Bible scholar you talk to. Mm-hmm. Some think it's an incarnation of the devil, and it's um, kind of like a Jesus to God, except the opposite, the the uh, Antichrist to the devil. Mm-hmm. And others believe it is the devil in human form. Okay. What, one question I have concerning that is, could it be... Because, I mean, the first one you said concerning this, and I mean, I want to start out by saying myself that, yeah, the first time I heard this was from, from, you know, Bush Sr. He was, that's the first time I ever heard this term myself. Um, I, even being an H.G. Wells fan, I don't remember hearing that. Um, I guess I'm not, (laughs) I haven't studied enough on that. But um, that's where I heard it was from, from Bush Sr. But what I was thinking as you were talking about these different types of, you know, these different types of ideas was, okay, and when we finally get to the one, the more biblical uh, answer to this, couldn't it be a blend of the first thing you were talking about where, you know, we have the inner circle, the upper one, 1%, whatever you want to call them, um, the, the, this Antichrist character, couldn't this Antichrist character infiltrate that society, that fraternity, let's say, and kind of take over from there? Would that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. They, they might know exactly the time and place where he's born. If he's not born already, they it might be like that movie Rosemary's Baby where they're put in special spots to to help pave the, the way for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to get too far off track, but uh, this whole idea of uh, worshiping Satan is becoming more and more public. Uh, just a few years ago, the... The opening of the Gothard, uh, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but the Gothard Tunnel in uh, Switzerland had Angela Merkel there, had uh, Hollande there, mm-hmm. had uh, some other heavy hitters in that whole, um, you know, Germany, France, Switzerland area. And the opening of this tunnel, it's the longest uh, uh, train tunnel in Europe. And uh, I welcome you or your listeners to go on YouTube to see the ceremony that they had. I mean, this is a public televised ceremony about this tunnel. Mm -hmm. And it was all about devil worshiping. They had dancers in like onesie unitards that were in a nude color who were... uh, simulating like they were having an orgy they had um, a black uh, angel dressed up in black with black feathered wings fall like a fall like Satan like Satan himself they had uh, Baphomet in the parade with uh, people bowing down to to him with these sticks I mean I seriously invite you or and your listeners to uh, to watch this, this is um, a public ceremony in celebration of a huge engineering feat. So okay. to me, that's say, speaking volumes. They're no longer in the closet hiding any of this. It's cool, and they're coming out, and 
get ready. Mm. Well, I mean, as you're saying that, I mean, sexualization, um, you know, I'm, I mean, and I think we may come from different backgrounds, Dina. Uh, but one thing I think we can agree on probably is that this idea of sexualization, and we see it, I know in American society especially, I mean, I don't know what you think, Amber, but it seems like mainstream music, pop music, wherever you might want to call it, like the stuff that's on TV that's out there, it's really pushed out there, it's very sexual in nature. It's very, you know, I don't even know the right words to call it. It's very sexual, though. And I've always even, you know, even being pretty open, like, ah, whatever, you know, things don't bother me. You know, I just don't, if I don't like it, I don't watch it. Even I find myself saying, making comments like, dude, why has it got to be like that? And I've seen one routine, dance routine after another, or maybe if I spent five minutes watching one of the award ceremony shows they have for these things, and I find that, yeah, it's it's more or less a simulated orgy sometimes on a stage in front of a thousand people. And I don't understand how that's entertained to people. Maybe there is this underlying thing you're talking about, not just with the tunnel, right, but in general that this is something that we're maybe being desensitized uh, with because I mean, think about this. Uh, what forty, maybe thirty, forty years ago, if that was put on TV, uh, the broadcast company would have been fined thousands, yep. if not tens yep. or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So, Absolutely. so I mean, are we being desensitized to not think about these things anymore? I mean, like I said, myself, there, it takes a lot to really offend me, but I am a thinker, and I'm going to go. Do people need to see this stuff? I mean, is this, is this really what entertainment is? Is it just a simulated orgy on stage in front of a thousand people? Uh, I thought these were artists. So, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of what I was thinking about when you said it, because I see this over and over again, Dina, as far as that that, that element you were talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying, but then you add in the fallen angel and, and Baphomet and people bowing down to, to Baphomet, which is a symbol of, of uh, one of the, the devil's yeah. minions, mm-hmm. that it all, you can't, you can't isolate it as just over sexualization. There, there's a, a message here and, yeah. and talk about a strange place to give that message at a ceremony for an engineering marvel it it really doesn't even make any sense except if they're like hey we can be open about it now there's no need to hide our time is here okay well we talked about this inner circle thing uh you know we've kind of mentioned this a couple times um what is this inner circle that that you're talking about i mean can you describe that uh, to us Sure. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. The phrase has been around for quite a while. Just a, a few famous people who've used the phrase. Let me throw out uh, Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. We all know he was the architect of, of League of Nations, the prelude to the UN. Uh, Hitler, Adolf Hitler. He had his own inner circle. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, George Bush, of course, both Bushes. And uh, Truman. So this whole idea of inner circle, what exactly does that mean? Uh, Well, it means maybe a politician, maybe uh, a well-respected academic, maybe media giants, maybe military giants, maybe tech giants maybe world leaders, maybe royalty. These are the the kinds of people, the people who show up at the Bilderberg group 
every year. Uh, the people who go to the Davos meetings, the, these are these are who's who, head of the EU. Um, these are your inner circle, and and you know uh, uh, we we can't disclude the Rothschilds. They're of course uh, not. certainly part of all of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you mentioned a lot of character, like key characters, uh, a second ago. Are, are we talking? Oh, great! Way to go, Amber! You whack your coffee cup. Me. You whack <laughs> your coffee cup on the microphone. I did that. I did that. Nice job. We're keeping that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you mentioned um, several players there, and the question I have w- with this with this idea of uh, of an inner circle is: is it one just big giant inner circle, or is it? Because what I was getting from that is that maybe each one of these these players has their own inner circle. Maybe these just clusters all over the world, or is it just one big club? Well, that's a great question. And you were, you were talking about Alex Jones earlier. Yeah. Well, he famously uh, put on video, uh, you know, a ceremony at the Bohemian Grove. Which I have that is, tape. I, yes. ha- I have that tape, and I've watched that several <laughs> times. Um, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, like like you were inferring, that was an American inner circle p- predominantly. I, I mean, I'm sure there were some Europeans in there, but that was you know predominantly an American inner circle in one of their ceremonies. Uh, I I think that these Bilderberg type of groups, these uh, Davos type of groups, that's for heads of these circles to come together and make plans and that's what alex jones alluded to and that that was like the it was it was basically you know and of course the title i have the, the videotapes literally on the other side of the wall here but the name of that video was more or less like infiltrating bohemian grove or something like that it's not hard to find out if you want to look it up um and that's what alex jones was saying was that these this is where all the decisions about our world our lives are made in, at this place where it's lavish. Uh, they can have anything they want. Well, our future presidents decided there. They talked about future presidents being decided there. Um, it was bizarre, and I mean, this. The, he, you and know, then the what's the ceremony they did with the owl? Well, it was the it was the the cremation of care. They called it if I'm not, if I'm correct. Which is weird. This those words cremation of care, like <laughs> burning, caring. Like what is that? Why? Well, there. I mean. I guess it could be taken two ways. Like, well, here, this is where you come to relax, and we have a we have a ritual that we want to illustrate how you relax, or the cremation of care as okay. If you want to run the world, you can't care anymore. Yeah, that's, you have to that's be what cold. I feel like it refers to. Right. What What do you think, Dina? I agree with Amber. Uh, I it, the the phrase is just too too overt to ignore. Uh, again, they're 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 tipping their their hand because they don't their their care is cremated. Technically, it's technically cremated. They don't care anymore. Uh, the cat's out of the bag, and they just really don't give a rat's mm-hmm. uh, takeover. Is you know, I mean, come on, let uh, let, uh, let me just uh, besides the tunnel example. Yeah. L- what about Brexit? What when is that ever going to happen? That's what the people voted for. They voted to get out of that EU. They don't want to be in it for a lot of reasons. But you know, if that's what the, if that's if England is a true democracy, if Great Britain is a true democracy, then they would have been out of it 
Okay. It's not a true democracy. They're chained into this whole EU. And uh, the EU is got part of a chunk of the New World Order. So, And what you're referring to the European Union, obviously, for the EU, correct? Yeah. Yes, it's just yes. some people might know it, not know what that means. Um, but and you and the EU, you're saying is it's tied into this idea of the new the new world order. Which I mean, I think to be totally honest, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> There's something not right here. I mean, and when we say this idea, going back to this idea of the cremation of care, you know, I think this idea. If let's just assume for saying this that this idea. The cremation of care is simply, you know, uh, it, it is a ritual that these people take to more or less dilute themselves of any type of, 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 of caring thinking, I guess, where, you know, okay, as a, as a decision maker, uh, making decisions that affect millions of people, uh, you know, you're taught not to make the decision that will be for the best of the people, but more or less the best for this inner circle. Uh, you know, and I, I'm not trying to be so direct about that, but I think, you know, this idea starts to trickle down. Um, you know, I mean, for God's sake, have you ever called customer service? I know we've all of us on the Dina, I know yep. you have. I have. I know Amber has. I've called customer service and I almost every time it's a script. It's cold. It's clinical. Um, there's no care there. It seems like now I know when you're also have a job like that, it's, you know, you're not going to be exactly happy, but it seems to me that like watching the bigger picture of this thing, all of this coldness that we're talking about, like this idea of not caring, it does start to trickle down, but maybe in a different way where, yeah, you're a person who's locked into a job you don't want to have and you don't care anymore. Right. It, it right. seems like it just it, it's all one big system to me. And I mean, I, again, I'm really reaching on this thing, too. But I'm thinking about the whole the whole ball of wax here, though, of how this may come down from the top down. And it seems like we're all in that mode to a certain degree as people where, yeah, I can't say that I'm exactly thrilled all the time about what I do you know, in my daily life. Uh, but I know there's people that are like that to a way more extreme degree. So I'm wondering if this is kind of the part of the master plan. And I know this is just one little aspect of this, if what this one thing we were talking about, but I wonder, you know, that's part of it. You know, I think that has to be part of it is that when you're, when you're making decisions for millions of people, that's going to, I should say, that's going to affect millions of people. Not everybody's going to be happy. So you have to learn not to care anymore. It seems like to me, if you want to, go on about what you're doing and be successful as in your own right, not for the entire group of people, it seems like. Does that all make sense? I'm kind of just going off. Oh, no. (laughs) In total sense. Yeah. It's this, we have an agenda and, you know, if, if you get in the way of that, we really don't care because this is what's going to happen. And it's, you know, it is our way or the highway. uh, Literally it, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but, you know, whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, he was elected, wasn't he? He yeah. was elected. Yes, he if was. If you don't like him, don't vote for him in 2020. That's mm-hmm. how we've always done things. Yeah. And look at what's been going on for the last two and a half, three years. I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He was simply, I mean, as far as we know, he was simply voted in. I mean, he was voted yeah. in. And I mean... As far as following the law, 
of the land, he was voted in. I agree with that 100%, and there's nothing that anybody can say against that, right? Uh, And, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I agree. I mean, not to get too political, those are the facts when it comes to that thing. Now, let's talk about a cabal for a second, though, too, as I know this this kind of ties in everything. Um, I think the first thing, it's another term that gets thrown around a lot, but let's dis- let's discuss what a cabal actually is for a second. Can we can we talk about that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a cabal is a secret society. It's, it's just another word for a secret society, such as skull and bones. Yep. That both the Bushes were, mm-hmm. of course, into, into. John Kerry was into. Um, several of our, our presidents were into. Some people would consider the Freemasons a cabal. Some people would consider the Illuminati a cabal. That that's basically what it is. And I, you know, not to get too off track, but it's fine. Uh, one of um, my favorite movies. Uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, it was called Eyes Wide Shut. I don't know if yeah. uh, you and Amber know that movie with Tom yeah. Cruise and uh, Nicole Kidman. Very familiar with it, and I'm embarrassed to say it's one of the only Kubrick films I have not taken the time to watch. So I apologize because I love Stanley Kubrick, and it's kind of embarrassing to say I haven't seen that movie. Well, the, I, well, he, you know, rumors in the conspiracy world have mm-hmm. always said that he was one of the highest Freemasons ever, and he went rogue, and that whole, when he did The Shining, a lot of those strange flashes of non-related to the story of, you know, American Indians and all this other crazy stuff in that movie that had nothing to do with the story yeah, was about him uh, tipping his hand that... Um, things aren't all what they're supposed to be. It's, it was kind of like him going rogue a little bit. Yeah. And then when he did Eyes Wide Shut, which I, I, I urge you guys to see, it's such a great conspiracy uh, movie. He died while he was filming that movie. Yes, that's, that's uh, a fact, yeah. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kil- Kidman got divorced when they were making that movie. And, uh, you know, not to give too much away with the movie, but it's about uh, Tom Cruise goes to his boss's house and he thinks that it's a wild party, maybe some swinging going on, all of that. It's this beautiful mansion and all of that is happening, except there's also a ceremony going on with uh, robes and chants and uh, all of that, like a like a devil worshiping ceremony mm-hmm. and some people believe that stanley kubrick was uh recreating one of the ceremonies that he attended uh, he did die during that movie uh i think of a heart attack okay which could be a a a, a shot of potassium yeah i mean technically really let's be honest we could we could all die of a heart attack with never having a heart problem if you know what i'm saying Exactly. And um, anyway, that is, to me, the best example of a cabal. They know each other. They're all friends. They go to these ceremonies. They do uh, certain chants. They have uh, a certain mission. They um, have common interests, usually money and power. Yeah. And... Um, uh, and then if you, you know, there's more to the movie, his his boss kills a prostitute. 
So, again, you're talking about, I don't care. Well, the boss, of course, doesn't care. He just doesn't want to get caught. So I think that would be a really good example of what a cabal means to me. Just a shadowy secret society that carries out an agenda. Okay. So, I mean, so we know what a cabal is here. I mean, as you explain that, you know, I thought about this, you know, I was thinking about this idea because I think cabals come in all shapes and sizes too. Now, I think where what we're talking about, yeah, is the top level. Um, I think as people though, I mean, in general, I think as a society, we all yearn to be a part of something like that, I think. I think we all want to be a part of something um, and it may not even be for motivated by, you know, financial interests and stuff like that. I think pe- uh, people in general want to be a part of a club. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's the only other way I can say it is of a club. I mean, and that's kind of what a cabal is. I mean, I know, I know it's a much more elaborate idea, uh, but they all want to be a part of, of something like that. I mean, whether it's be with hobbies, I mean, we know. I mean, here's a good example. I'm going to keep this very brief. But, Amber, you remember when you and I went to that um, RC track, the the quarter-scale RC car track? That I'm like, I want to go watch the quarter-scale RC cars that I used to run when I was younger, when I was a kid. We just wanted to go. I just wanted to go to this place, some random place one day, right, Dina, and watch these guys run these RC cars. And so Amber's like, that sounds really boring, but I'll go with you. Fine. Yeah, I reluctantly went. (laughs) Yeah. But we went there and there was all these guys there with their toolkits and their cars. And these guys were serious, (laughs) and which I think is great. It's good to have a hobby. Yeah. But I I quickly watched that room and over a span of like a half an hour, I was able to tell who were like the senior, like the more senior members of this, like this group and who were kind of like the the junior members, you know, and who were the ones that were kind of feeding up to the senior. You could see kind of like, well, I want to be like, you know, I want to be cool like you. I want to be top hatch someday or something like that. So my point with this is I think just in general, kind of looking at people. It's right? a micro new world order. It's a micro, no, it's, it's, not, it's a micro, it's a club, right? right? And I think that's where I think people are just motivated, motivated to be a part of something in general. They find a hobby and then they find people with like interest and goals and they join that, right? Um, Absolutely. That's I think I think that's a healthy thing in general. When you when you have a fun hobby you like, you find people you want to work with. That's fantastic. Yeah, except for when it turns into like you know the Nazis. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a bad club. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe some of these cabals that are going on right now. And that's what I think. Bad we, club. I think you know coming from the ground up now, Dina. Back to what we were talking about. Yeah. This is a bad way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any, any any nice way to say it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, well, I, I mean, gangs are a cabal. Technically, yeah. a gang is a cabal. Yeah, that's and that's not a good thing. They don't do good acts. But it seems like these cabals we're talking about also... I, I think they're let's ask, well what do you think their goals are Dina as far as who we're talking about what do you think they're I mean we may have touched on it already but let's lay it down what do you think the goals are I think their goals are uh, you know simple simple as that money and power those are their goals uh, now if you get you add the religious angle to it their yeah. their goal is to please satan or their goal is to please the aliens however whichever angle y- you want to take 
they that might be an added an add-on but money and power and who knows maybe they have uh, certain advantages to good health that the rest of us don't as well yeah I mean have well let's speaking of movies let me throw one out there for you uh, and we've mentioned this movie a couple times on this show have you seen the movie hereditary no okay well I'll keep this one very brief because this may because I was thinking about this idea and it fits right in well hereditary is basically about it uh, hereditary is about a cabal right and what their idea is their goal simply is in We'll have to put a spoiler warning on the beginning of this thing before. <laughs> before if we, you have not seen yeah, Hereditary. If you haven't seen yeah, or Eyes Wide at, Shut. Turn it off at this yeah. point. Uh, but in Hereditary, <laughs> it's simple. It's about a cabal, and they have learned that if they summon this certain demon, this demon will bring them riches and wisdom and great stuff like that. So do you think it may be along the lines of something like that where it's like, okay, look, we have to appease this demon. Maybe it's Satan himself. We have to appease yeah. Satan Here's how it's done. Here's the instruction manual. We do this. We live high on the hog for the next 50,000 generations of our yep. family. Sounds great, right? I mean, do you think it's it, it's kind of like a, a, a mix? I guess, is it, is it that idea we're talking about? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's it's an initiation in, into the dark side. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're talking about skull and bones. Uh, these we've you know we're watching the news we've got all these celebrities who are not only fine about paying 80 90 thousand bucks a year tuition but they're they're uh, giving huge donations to the school and, and bribing coaches so that their kids can can get in now why is it why is it that important well because these colleges provide the ultimate uh, cabal they provide the initiation into the rest of their life in this cabal. And um, I, you know, I the more I'm around, the more convinced I am that this is going on. I, we've got, you know, pop stars who are, uh, you know, laying down uh, devil chants. Um, I, you know, uh, you, Beyonce, I, she had an uh, alter, uh, another alter ego or whatever, who was a demon. Uh, well, you guys are, of course, into the the paranormal. Yeah. And uh, I mean, how many ghost stories have you heard that sound like uh, an attempt of demonic possession? Uh, I, I can't imagine. We've heard. Well, we've heard. We. I'll answer that. I mean, we hear plenty of stories from people about that. Um, it's tough to differentiate the two, though, sometimes. I mean, going into the, the guts of that side of it. But we do hear about that. Some people feel like they, there's this malevolence uh, that, that's surrounding them. Or they feel they may have been inhabited by some type of malevolent spirit, too. Uh, I think that may be a matter of interpretation. And I'm not saying that what you're saying is not true at all, Dina. Uh, but as far as from where we're coming from with that, sometimes it can be tough to tell. But when I think... You know, people also, we have intuition, right, as people. Uh, and the older I get, the more I listen to my intuition. And I tell people to trust that too. So when someone says, okay, I, I trusted my intuition and what I felt around me or maybe in me, whatever it may be, was something evil, something, you know, something not good, um, I, I trust that. I believe that. Right. So, um, yeah, but going along that, yeah, I mean, this idea of the cabal is simply this idea. Yeah. 
uh, money and power. You know, because that's the one thing I've always, and I'm sorry to keep keep riffing like this, Dina, but this stuff is really, 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 really interesting to me because I always like to get back to the roots of things. Like, you know, what is the root cause of this? And, you know, and I mean, we may, may not be able to answer this question, but it's like, well, how the hell did all this stuff get started? I mean, how did... We, how did this cabal get started that somebody said, hey, guys, check this out. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this is going to be totally awesome. And we're going to rule the world. And this is what we should do and piss on everybody else. It'll just be us. It'll be awesome. It'll take a couple hundred years, but, you know. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Because yeah. we'll keep working on it. And, Dina, that's one thing, too, is that a lot of these plans and these are the things I've read and I'm sure you've read, too. Some of these plans that these cabals have in place – they say that these could run, these could be you know at, at a, on a short term, decades to kind of play out, right? Um, oh yeah. Or like Amber said, maybe even close to 100, 200 years. Right? Has this been with our four you know our fathers of our country, United States, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing? But, Back with George Washington, did they have plans? Who the hell has this kind of foresight? Uh-huh. Well, uh, I, not to you know get too off topic with the Freemasons, which. I don't, I just to clarify, I don't believe that they're an evil cabal. I think they're the bulk of the Freemasons are just a bunch of guys who, like you said, want to belong to a club. Yeah. But the upper uh, levels, your, your 30th, 31st, 32nd, 33 degree members are now we're talking cabal. And um, like Amber was saying, this could have been hundreds of years ago. Well, one thing I, I've stumbled upon in my research, uh, there there was a Freemason leader named Albert Pike. In fact, he has a statue in Washington, D.C. I'm familiar, he, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was ne- never a president or anything like that, but he, he has a statue right in the middle of the city. So he's definitely a big, big deal. Well, anyway, he and um, another... Um, 33rd, 33rd degree Mason in Italy named uh, Giuseppe Mazzini were writing back and forth about New World Order and how they had planned out three world wars to finally take control. That would be needed. Now, this is in the 1800s uh, around um, circa Civil War. Okay. Okay, so we had World War One. what, 30, 40 years later. Mm-hmm. Then we had World War Two. another 20 years later. Well, well, now we're waiting for that third World War. And uh, like like the, the plans, uh, the, and, the, and then like discussed in, in these two very powerful men's uh, written correspondence, it's coming. And it's, I just, I don't know how to, uh, there's so many yeah. things I could talk about that point in this globalized direction and it's coming and it's not going to be good for us Americans. It's not going to be good at all. We're not going to like it. <clears throat> well, when I was going back to this idea of foresight and I agree, uh, I, I think it takes a special sort of mind to have that kind of foresight. Um, I like, I mean, I try to put myself in a position like that and I'm about as good as the next day, maybe the next two or three days I can kind of 
look at, I can look out and see what's going to happen, at least in my own life. But then you take your a, a person and put them in a position where, okay, we're going to plan out and we, we understand how the human condition works to the point where we can plan out and predict what's going to happen over the next 200 years. Right. Uh, and let's just, I mean, it, it does happen that way. Uh, that to me is absolutely fascinating. But I mean, and I think one of the long-term things like we're talking about too, will be this idea of population control. Um, I think this is one of those things and population control. I know that wears a lot of faces too. Um, how would that play into this though, Dina, at least with your interpretation as far as population control is concerned? Well, right now we're at seven and a half billion and most scientists agree that this planet can only hold 10 billion. That's it. We can't have, um, I, that's, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but we can't grow enough food. Our natural resources uh, won't cut it for all these people. Uh, the energy requirements that we're all using, it, it, it's just not going to work. Yeah. And um, so what do, what do we do when we hit 10 billion people? According to uh, Malthusian charts, we're going to be 10 billion people, unless there's, of course, some kind of devastation, we're going to get there around 2040, 2050. And that's just a fact on um, growth. And we're not having as many kids as we used to in the olden days, but we will get, we are living longer. And uh, that is how the chart is, is going. And the chart has been right. So what do we do? Well, there's all kinds of ways to thin down the herd, as they say. And um, of course, nuclear war Ugh. is the scariest. Um, there's, of course, biochemicals. We could just release them in, in the air of our urban cities. Uh, right now, if you, you notice just what's going on in the United States, it's almost like we're being herded to the big cities and life in the rural areas is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. Farmers can't make a living anymore. They're becoming giant corporations. So... Once we get swept into our certain piles all over the country, how easy would that be to spread? I, I mean, I, I'm in Dallas right now. We had a, an Ebola scare a couple years ago. That's going on right now, too, I thought. There's an yeah. Ebola scare going on right now. Well, and there's measles came back. Oh, was that me is me I think you're thinking measles. Measles. I think, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. That's currently going on. Measles yeah. are back, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these are... What if somebody took a vial of that kind of stuff and just blew it in the wind? I I don't even want to know what could yeah. happen. Well, that and those are the ideas that, that chill me to the core. As I think about that more often than I should, I think about how easy it would be um, if somebody was able to get their hands on something like this. And yeah, just simply release it into the environment. They don't have to do anything special. They can just walk out of their apartment, their house, wherever they live, and just go, wah, and spread around like some people spread their loved one's ashes at a funeral, right? Yep. Um, it's that easy. There's nothing to it. And and quite frankly, I mean, I don't want to sound negative. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. It just seems too easy to me for it not to happen. 
Well, you'd have to be a special sort of someone to have access to that kind of, you know. I know. I mean, we're still higher up that maybe, I don't know. I know. know. You work in a lab and you just snap. You know, instead of a gun, you grab some flu virus and woo. Populations are being moved, though. I agree, Dina. I mean, I'll just take myself, for example. I've often said this. I'm like, I want to, I would, my first choice would be to have a little home out in the country somewhere, you know, just somewhere quiet. You know, something nice like that. I think that's what we all kind of dream for, right? However, mm-hmm. I work, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, yeah. and I have to be in the area that's mm-hmm. conducive that I don't have to drive. I mean, that I don't have to drive two hours one way to get to work. And that just seems very counterproductive, right? Oh, yeah. So I am myself like, okay, I got to stay – I got to live somewhere where the action's at, where the jobs are at and stuff like that. And I'm stuck in a certain way. And I, and you're right. I think that we are being herded like that. So yeah, you do have the more uh, densely populated areas, obviously around where the jobs are at. And so anyways, I mean, how would that tie in? I'm sorry. I don't want to go off too far in the weeds with that, but how would that tie in with the population control thing? I know we're talking, we're talking about, and I think, I don't know if we're going to have a difference of opinions on this thing, but I think we agree that, yeah, we're going to have too many people on this planet. It's going to get to a certain point where there's just going to be too many people living on this planet. So how, I mean, well, nuclear wars, you said, right? We've already talked about chemical attacks. Um, I mean, go ahead. I guess what would the, what would the question be? Who gets, who gets to live? I mean, you're, you're picture yourself in the inner circle who are you going to kill? How, how are you going to thin it down to a comfortable two billion? Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to go? Well, yeah. um, the Saudi Arabians living on a vat, uh, a vat of oil, they're going to get to live because they have they're on top of something very useful. Yeah. What about the poor people in Sudan? Well, does Sudan have any natural resources? They're no, gone. Not that I know of, no. Uh, I, I mean, that's kind of yeah. how it would be decided. Um, what country has absolutely uh, no natural resources, no education, nothing, they're gone. If you're not useful, kind of like Hitler's dress rehearsal in World War II, if you're not useful, you're gone. And that's how it will be. There's um, this whole nursing home with old people who might have dementia, they're gone. Don't need them. Uh, anybody who's got some kind of handicap, gone. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's that simple. Uh, if you are in a wheelchair, even if it's temporary because you broke your leg, mm-hmm. you're gone. And that's the kind of world that this new world order will bring on. Uh, I, I truly believe that Hitler, Hitler's attempt at ruling the world was a dress rehearsal to see what mistakes to avoid, where he excelled. I think he was studied by the elite and uh, his whole entire uh, takeover attempt was a dry run. I could see that. Because it's spooky how the whole Nazi regime was executed. Uh, on some things, yeah, there was failures, but then on others, it's like, what the hell? Like, well, how did you pull that off? They were brought down too. Well, yeah. Um, 
And it, I mean, he, I think I think the the cabals we're talking about learned a lot from him. That's what I. That's yeah. what I. They. I think they did. You're right. They learned a lot from him. Perhaps it may have not been a dress rehearsal. Maybe there's something like, "Holy crap, who's this maniac? How do he get in power? Well, let's see what happens here. Let's let it play yeah, out. Get right? the popcorn. Let's let it. Pl- I mean, and I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not making light of it, but I mean, it's true. Like, let's let it play out and see what happens here. Oh, well, look what he did there. He did that. Well, this is what. Ah, this is how it's done. Don't do that and don't do that. But we'll do this and that, and we'll win the game. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think it was something, whether it was a dress rehearsal, as you say, or not, there was still valuable knowledge gained from that. And, you know, from a humanitarian standpoint, what you're saying, like if you're, you know, if you're old, um, if you're handicapped, we all agree, I think, from a humanitarian standpoint, that's absolutely disgusting. Uh, life yep. is precious and it don't matter. Yep. You know, people have mental handicaps. I mean, I, we know they're gone. <laughs> I mean, in this with this model, right? People who people who have problems mentally, they're out. I mean, and basically, you know, if you don't fit, and this this is was Hitler's vision basically too. If you didn't fit within these certain rigid guidelines, you're out. It's gone, right? And yeah, I mean, uh, well, scary. He had his own um, before. I think the Nazis knew a whole lot more about genetics uh, than the rest of the world. And he had his own, uh, like his own um, genetic pool he had going. I I can't remember the name, but he had uh, like a hotel filled with German women who were up to his standards who were breeders for German soldiers. So they could um, breed these pure Aryan children Mm Theoretically, with with uh, no quote unquote defects, at least per Hitler's standard, and he wanted to create. He it wasn't just about taking over the world. He he wanted to create a super race. Uh, I mean, now we've got designer babies. I mean, maybe that's that's the end game. The whole idea of having children who might have a imperfection here or imperfection there that really doesn't even. Uh, hinder them in any way, shape, or form. We're, that's just not going to be tolerated. Now we've got mm-hmm. genetics, and we can um, figure out how tall we want our, our baby, what color hair, what color eyes, what sex. Um, I mean, that's it, it, that's the next thing. I mean, that's that's, that's there's like the a sex, fine yep. yeah. There's like a fine line with that because on one end, that's it. Kind of seems like you're playing God by choosing yeah. like the color of my baby's eyes and all that. But then there's this other aspect where oh. Okay, you you do like a DNA analysis of your your baby while it's not born, and they go, hey, you know, it's going to have spina bifida, but if we remove this one aspect of your baby's DNA, it's going to come out healthy. Like, that's a positive side, but when is that positive side going to be turned into a super negative and just be blown out of control? And that's like anything. There's always that horrible balance that goes one way or another. Right, exactly. I mean, I I don't, you know, want to get too far off the mark here, but this whole um, abortion bill where you could be nine months pregnant and some people want it to be where you can have the baby and then they can kill the baby afterwards. Well, why is this so important? Is uh, I don't even understand why um, if somebody wanted to have abortion, they'd wait nine months. I, I don't get it. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe this has to do with genetic studies. Maybe these women are getting paid to harvest embryo cells, so to speak, 
And what we've got going on under our nose is, again, a whole nother attempt at forming a genetically superior race. Oh, my God. I never even thought about that, Tina. Yeah, you don't really think of the whole abortion issue and then that whole, like, little sub subplot. <laughs> like, right. and, and, and there's, you know, and that's not, it, it, it's, it, well, it makes a whole lot of creepy. sense. Yeah. It makes a whole lot of sense. That's all I'm going to say. Well, it, that's the only way it makes sense to me be, because why would, why would you wait till month nine when you could get the job done at month one, two, or three? I, I don't know. Yeah, unless it was caught, unless it was going to kill the mom, and they they right. deemed that that life was more important than the babies, which you know most people I don't know they'll pick the adult over the baby, but I don't know that's a weird touchy subject because yeah. I I've had people in my family that um, their baby it was that type of birth I don't remember the term but it's one in the news right now where she could have decided to abort it because her life was being threatened, and um, she didn't. She ca- she carried the whole baby, but unfortunately, the poor little guy died like two minutes it, as soon as it was born. But and she obviously lived, but she had that choice though. Yeah, and yeah. if her life had been threatened, the choice was there. It's not like it was taken away from her. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a very touchy subject, yeah. I think. Yeah, and um, I didn't think about it in the in that way though, Dina. Um, and that really has my gears grinding right now because yeah, that's all we're hearing about is this abortion debate right now, and why is this being fought so hard? Uh, at least um, by people who seem like they shouldn't care. Even like like the one guy who uh, the the senator or something that um, is all against this, and then yeah. he gets in trouble because his mistress he paid for her abortion. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> what? So That's just a dick why move. you know? That's and then of course, it, well, and it's you're gonna get uh, voters. Yeah. depending on what where you live in the United States, if you're more conservative or the more religious and stuff like that. So obviously if you get on that soapbox, that helps. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we talk about population control. I mean, and obviously, yeah. And I think it's easy when you, when you talk about population control um, to go off the mark like we've been. There's just so many things that can be discussed on this, Tina. Um, oh, yeah. But is this, I mean, I'm, st- I'm thinking though too that this may be, I mean, this is probably one of the logical steps to setting up a one world government like we were talking about. Right. And that's kind of what we're leading to with this is this is I mean, and let me let me be frank about Alex Jones for a second. OK, um, we talked sure. about we talked about Bohemian Grove and I, I thought, you know, in the in the late 90s through the 2000s, I was a fan. I, I was well, I shouldn't say I was a fan. I was somebody who was very interested in his work. I, I was really there listening to what he had to say. I mean, we, I'm always going to have a difference of opinion. I think thinking people should be having, you know, thinking for themselves to a certain degree. But, I, man, I, I know a lot of us were very much into um, his ideas. And I think, you know, obviously in the last, what, five, six years, I would say, he's really kind of turned into this where I'm listening. Like, I want to hear what you have to say, Alex. But it seems like the problem now with him is it's um, – it's be, he's becoming more of a character, I guess. I don't know what this, any other way to say it. Um, it's more about how extreme and how crazy he can be, as opposed to when he sat there, he would sit there, you know, 10 years before that and talk about the idea of a one world government and be going through article upon article upon article talking about this. Yeah, getting to a certain, you know, maniacal degree, but it was passion. 
right? And I mean, I'm sorry to take us into the weeds there too, but I mean, he talked about what I think were logical steps to a one world government. But I mean, as far as you're concerned, Dina, I mean, what are these logical steps we're talking about? Yeah, like, well, as you're talking about Alex Jones, who uh, I used to listen to a long time ago. I I haven't in the last few years because, like you said, he was becoming a little bit unlucid, I guess, would be the right term. It's too theatrical for me. This is, I mean, it turned into theater, I thought. I mean, this is just... I, I don't like know. Like sna- snake oil? Yeah. 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 Snake yeah. oil men, maybe? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. He just lost his uh, his genuineness. Uh, but um, he um, got, well, as we're talking about New World Order, well, one of the first things Hitler did was he got rid of the media. Anybody who opposed him in the press was blown up, ousted, killed, whatever. Well, Alex Jones, say say whatever you want about the man. He had every right to his free speech. He had a following. He had his own show. Mm-hmm. And to get ousted off of what, Facebook and Twitter? I mean, all the crazy stuff that I've seen on Facebook and Twitter and Alex Jones isn't upstanding enough for, yeah. for Facebook. and I mean, Twitter is recruited how many ISIS candidates? Yeah. For 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 ISIS, and um, they're still in business. But Al, Alex Jones is is no go. So that tells you right there that uh, the media, the mainstream media anyway, uh, is not um, not. And Alex Jones, whether you listen to him or not, was very famous. He st- still is. Yes. He had um, he had a voice. And what did they do? They silenced it because it didn't go with the plan. He he wasn't a team player in this new world order. In fact, he was uh, sabotaging it to some degree. He was making more people aware of what was going on, and he's gone. Yeah. Well, I think one of the, the problem with – I mean, and I agree 100% with you on that. Um, I already said that there were you know several things with Alex Jones that I didn't agree with, right? But yeah. I did listen to him. And even now, let's say right now or maybe a year ago uh, when all this stuff happened to him, I think it was about a year ago when, when he was – and the term is deplatformed. And that's what I want to talk about here for a second because um, what's happened – and we talked about this a while back when our buddy Rob was on here, remember, Amber? Mm-hmm. We were talking about the internet and how media works and things now. And the last 10 years, I mean, the internet really has centralized – you know, I was talking about this the other day. Like, you know, if you have you, if you had like a little business or you had a rock band or a or a podcast like our thing or whatever you're doing with your life, you got a hobby, you got a little business you're trying to do. Like 15 years ago, the first thing you would do is go, well, I got to figure out how to make a website and yeah. pr- promote my business through my little website because the internet's where a lot of business is being done. Now, well, here's a good example of that. I was on a podcasters group, like a group like a Facebook group the other day. And somebody said, hey, guys, list out your podcasts on here. Give me the URL for your podcasts on there. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so I I participated and I put our little show on there, ghostlytalk.com. And then I went and looked at all the responses people had. And they were all either like uh, iTunes, like a URL for iTunes or a URL for Facebook. And then it was their, their page on Facebook. Everything was that. 
And I'm not saying that we're special or anything like that, but Ghostly Talk was the only show that I, I we had an actual like our own, our own. Well, it's our own little world. It's our it's own not little someone world. Someone else's so, platform. You know what's happening here with and Alex Jones isn't the only one, right? Right. A, a lot of these people have unfortunately had been forced to put all their eggs in a couple of baskets now, and. In Alex's in Alex's case, he was deplatformed by YouTube. He was deplatformed by Facebook and so, several other, I think, like you know, podcasting uh, platforms too. Um, so it's a very easy. I mean, it, when you have so many things, so many people looking at that, as opposed to like, let's go to Alex Jones' website, right? That's a really important thing to. If you lose yeah. that, it's gonna. That's the reason for they call it deplatforming, because <laughs> your platform's been pulled out from under you. And I think if you, I think if you share his stuff now, you can get banned. You, you can, can. Get in trouble. You can, and you can't Jeez. have like another kid. I, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, this huge influencer on Instagram, he actually had Alex Jones on his. No, I should. Well, Instagram, but then he has a YouTube thing going. So he had Alex Jones on his YouTube show and. Like then, that's not going to work out anymore. So they demonetized it. That like, we're, at best, they demonetize the show if he hasn't monetized, right? Sure. Or they just totally well, just kill his channel. Yeah, they'll give him a warning. Like ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. I don't. You know I. Oh my god. So go ahead. Oh my, that's even worse. So now it. So now you can't be uh, professional friends with Alex Jones. No, right? no oh. guilty by association. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we're. I mean, I pay close attention to these things. Um. Uh, you know, I mean, and you that's know what? Right. That, that's New World Order. Well, oh, you, YouTube, no, it's fine. I mean, we've talked about YouTube here before, and people have asked us before, like, why don't you guys? We have, a, we actually do have a YouTube channel. We don't I think barely ever yeah, use. I, I think it's kind of dumb to upload on there. People got to use their well, data. With but that. you know what? You Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. This show we're talking well, about right now. You don't use your data if you're on Wi-Fi, but anyway. But yeah, but, but I mean, this show we're talking about right now. Yeah. They pr- they could have an algorithm out there right now, and they could deplatform us. I'm just oh, nipping 100%. It. I'm nipping it in the butt before there's any problems. I've seen what YouTube does. I'm a user of YouTube. I watch YouTube videos also, but I'm not going to be part of it. I mean, I won't. And we've said, but people have asked us, like, why don't you do a YouTube channel? I'm like, no, we're not doing this. We're not going to be active on YouTube because of the exact stuff we're talking about right now. Not because I'm angry at YouTube, Dina. Well, you know, you took care of it. You got rid of Alex Jones. It's because I don't like what they're doing. What what we're talking about right there, even guilty by association. Um, even if you talk to the man, you're an enemy. Yeah. The friend of my enemy or whatever they call it. I mean, I don't remember the saying. I mean. I, I don't need. That's, that's just ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. It's. Yeah. It's, it's madness. Uh, it's shutting. It's, it's putting the fear of free speech in other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't agree with everything Alex Jones has to say, but I do find him entertaining and I want him on my show. Oh, nope. Yep. No, I, I think it's scary. I, well, and think it's you said this to me last week, Scott. We were talking and you said, oh, you, you better not say that again, Amber. Better turn your phone off. Like, oh, that's yeah, yeah. kind of eerie when yeah. you think about that. Like, well, oh, my God. What horrible thing am I going to say that's going to incriminate incriminate me thirty years from now when like yeah. the new world order is taken over and they're going to go back to this day and go well on this day you said you didn't agree with this so see ya yeah, yeah like what it's creepy Look, I've done okay well you want to talk about the phones for a minute I've done this experiment I've totally done this experiment it just just recently um, what product was I looking for now no you said we you mentioned wedding. 
Oh or yeah, something. Where, and then all of a sudden wedding chapels were yeah, popping up. Yeah, time out. Let's Looking get married. Let's get let, let's get married. Let's oh. get this thing done. And next thing I know, I go on Facebook and I'm getting advertisements for wedding wedding chapels. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's eerie. that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, that so now, they're listening. Yeah, they're You're, listening. You, you no, it, it, the sad part is we are the ones we bugged our own houses. Yeah, with we're all allowing this it. Hundred percent. Yep. We are we are responsible for this. I yep. I take I take full responsibility for that example right there, Dina. We should turn off our phones more often. Like yeah. you're not using them, just turn it off. Just turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's and you know all these things. I know we're kind of just going all over the place here, but all these things all do tie into they do this idea of you know of what you know. Yeah. And I I think the original question I had. I'm sorry. I kind of probably just well, went on a ten minute uh, rant about nothing. But. To me, well, the- <laughs> The phones are, you know, they're kind of a, an evil necessity right now. We, uh, unfortunately, they've, we, we need them. Our, our life has become wrapped around these smartphones. But when people are, are really asking for it is when they're buying Alexa. Why, what, what, who, what? I don't even get that. You want a, uh, a basically a, a bug in your house uh, that listens to everything that you say. It was even on the news the other day that the employees are uh, listening in to your conversations when you're talking. You don't have to say Alexa and the thing wakes up. It's yeah. listening the, the whole time. And they're trying to figure out how to make uh, Alexa more human. That's what they said was the excuse. But I, I just, well, one of the, Literally, one of the things I heard about Alexa this morning on the radio was in relation to what we're talking about. Because some people will take, you know, Alexa, yeah, whatever her voice is. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. Alexa, yes, <laughs> and then you ask it a question like, you know, what is what is the capital of Michigan or the weather? You know, and it, when the capital of Michigan is, you know, and it goes down on this thing. What they're saying, the new feature they're going to be implementing, if it's not already implemented, is that you're able to strike searches now. So after that, you're done with that search. Let's say you were asking for something not so, you know, not so. I don't know. Oh, you mean you whatever. can erase you your can erase. Your, you can strike. Oh. You can strike your searches. Okay. Because if you're like afraid, if you were looking for butt cream. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't <laughs> want to say anything stupid. But, I mean, if you're looking for something a little bit more embarrassing, right? right you can strike the search so it don't go into their okay. database. Yep. Do I believe that that, that it's actually, really gone? Yeah, it's really gone. I don't no. like when you clear your Google history and stuff. Is it really <laughs> gone? No. If you open up a private window on a on, on like your browser. Is that pro- I always felt like doing that just does a red flag. Like these people just opened up the private browser. So mm, let's see what they're doing. Let's see what they're doing. Yeah. The fact of the matter is when it comes to digital technology and uh, and the handsets we use now and everything is that you have no control over anything you're doing anymore. Um, and again, does that sound familiar, Dina? There's only a small group that has control of all of this, what we call the internet now. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, and, and and it's not just the internet. Okay, not to not to get completely in the woods here, <laughs> but um, while while we're talking about Alexa, yeah, uh, ancestry dot com. Oh yeah, three and me. Really, you're sending yep. in your, your DNA, DNA to a corporation. Yep. Really? And they're using it to arrest people, which sometimes it's good. Like that killer in California, they found him through a DNA connection through one of those tests. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of good. But still, your DNA now is on file. 
and could be used for something like, hey, you were a really fine specimen, so we're going to pull that, you know, put yeah. that in the put that in the baby maker pile over there. Or, or they have a database for yep. somebody. Oh, so so and so needs a kidney. Oh, go yep. to this address. They have a match. Here's a match. Yeah, and you'll you wake up in a tub of ice. Person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's <sighs> there's so many different things that they could do with the yeah. the DNA. They could you could somebody could frame you for a murder. I mean, well, leave I, your hair hair that's in the garbage. Whatever. Yeah. I know what my ancestry is, so I I don't need to like lick a Q-tip or whatever you do and then send it to them. Um, I'm good. I don't need. Uh, to I know. don't care enough about my ancestry to do something like that. Yeah. To be honest with you, and, and that's not a disrespect to my ancestors either. But no, I'm fine with who I am. I am where I am, and I don't feel a need that bad to take a piece of my body, <laughs> literally. And send it to somebody that I don't know. Uh, it's right. crazy. I agree. You know, and, you know, we talked about recently, too, just another example of this, too, seeing that we're totally in the weeds. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's, are, we'll just call uh, this show In the Weeds. In the Weeds. Into the Weeds. Um, <laughs> into the Weeds with Dina Ray. <laughs> so, but there is the other ones. I, I mentioned this before, too. Like, on, you know, if you're on Facebook, they have these cute little quizzes like, oh, which member. Oh, that's of, harvesting oh, data. Yeah. Which member of Motley Crue could you be? Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever, right? And then people flock into that. And what color is your hair? Click. What color are your eyes? Click. You know, what do you like to do on your off time? Click. And, oh, you're going to be Vince Neil. Oh, I'm Vince Neil. That's so cool. You're, it's, it's data mining. It's data mining. That's all it is. It's simple. It's just data mining. Mass data. Uh, they And they use this uh, for a lot of – there's a lot of reasons they can use this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, in the, uh, the easiest one, obviously, is for marketing, and I know people use it for marketing, but who knows what else they're using it for, too. I don't have those answers, um, but I, when my mind goes to work on it, it, it scares me still, I think. And it should scare everybody else out there, too, uh, who's right. just when you're just randomly forking over information like this. And it seems like people – let me ask you a question, Tina. Do you remember a time, you know, on this subject – do you remember a time in your life when the idea of giving out your social security number was very, very taboo, yeah. right? Yeah, when I, when I was just uh, 15, 16, starting out, trying to get a job, I remember my, my mother giving me, you know, the riot act. Well, you better not lose that card and you better not be telling anybody that number. And, and somebody because, you know, that that's your number and la, 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 la. And, uh, we were all kind of conditioned into thinking it was your extra secret, secret, secret password, and your life would be ruined if someone else had that number. And, exactly. And now it's you know, yeah, your password to your Facebook account or something silly. Or exactly. I, I, I and that's my point. I had a job when I was first starting my career out where I was answering phone calls, and that was part of the thing to access these people's information was their social security number, right? And these were older people. Right. And I'd say, well, can I get your social security number? And, and some of these people would just flip their lid. I go, what are you talking yeah. about? And this was only like 20 years ago. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to give you my social security number. Yeah. There's got to be another way you can get my information up. Um, and I've thought about that, you know, and yeah, obviously nowadays, yeah, that, like you said, people openly ask for your that number. And I'm, st I'm one of them that goes, it's do not you, that easy. Do you not know what's easy. crazy is when I was in at Grand Valley State University, our student ID was our social security number. That's ridiculous. And so you would look, like if you were looking for your test grade, it would be, you'd look for the last four digits of your number, 
which not then, the full number, not just the, the full last number. Four days. That was never exposed, but that was you. You gave it to people on a regular basis. You wrote it down a ton. That's the only reason I know that number. Yeah. Now it's not. I know people, students that go there now. Now it's some another generic number. But why the hell was that your student ID to begin with? Well, because it's easy. It's, it's, it's built e- in. But it's easy. Well, it, yeah, sure. But it's, it's easy. easy to just do a numerical system and assign it to a student. That would need your to be. Your one, two, four, BA, you need whatever. To, you need to pay a vendor to do that. Using a social security number would not cost anything because you already have that number. It's free. That's all it was. They don't, And they don't care about your privacy. I mean, I don't, Dina, tell, I'm sure yeah. you've agreed. They don't care about your privacy. I don't care mm-hmm. who it is. They don't care about your privacy. It's just easier for them to do that. And I think that's. Maybe that's why the belt the belt tie is loosening with this idea. I mean, of the social security number. But I mean, I, that's why I asked you that and wanted to bring that up because yeah, I remember a time also where my parents said the same exact thing. They're like, "This is your super secret double secret number. Yeah. You can't tell anybody this number. Your life will be ruined." <laughs> right. I, well. I, I mean, I was at uh, Kohl's a, a few weeks ago, and they talked me into signing up for a credit card to save 25 bucks or whatever. So I, they wanted my social security number, and I had to, you know, type it in. There's a line of people behind me. Yeah. And I typed it in wrong. I, I just, um, my finger rolled on the wrong key, and it said, no, that's wrong. So the computer already had it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that is weird. So they're just asking you to confirm what they already know. Hmm. Okay, now I'm getting pissed. (laughs) Sorry, Dina, I'm getting pissed. Although, Dina, I have, that's like one of the only store credit cards I have, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I seriously, you get a lot of good deals with it, and the Kohl's cash is great. I'm not getting paid by Kohl's to say this, it really is. Okay, now look, we were in the weeds. (laughs) <laughs> it really I just said before we sat down I said oh my god is it 31st oh I got Kohl's cash to use by the tomorrow weeds. we just got through the weeds and we hit the first Walmart <laughs> but I'm not I'm no we're done <laughs> so okay um yeah to tie us back in I mean yeah one world government though I mean I think we were talking about that uh and the logical steps <laughs> towards that <laughs> I mean I think we talked about a couple of them I guess let's 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 kind of go through it if we can chronologically if it is chronological uh Dina these logical steps we're talking about to uh, the one world government. Well, I, I mean, it's going on in the news right now. If you want uh, a one world government, well, that means there's no borders. You can't have any borders. Well, what are we dealing with right now? No, we don't trying to get rid of that border between Mexico and the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, soon enough, it's, it, I don't know how, how uh, deep those borders run in Central America, but going by all these caravans, they're not um, all that serious about their borders either. And the EU, part of the whole EU was not to have borders. They were going to be like the United States of America. So little by little, these uh, erasing the borders is prepping us for, again, a one-world government. You, You can't have sovereign nations and have a one world government because there's only going to be one set of rules i watched a guy talk about this idea you know and as we know that the border is another one of those really hot topics right it's it's red hot as a matter of fact and you know i have my own opinions i have my ideas about this i see for and against 
But I did see a gentleman recently, I was watching a video, and this guy, he's like, I just want to sum up this idea of what a border is for you guys real quick. He's like, now this is my backyard. And the guy's standing in his backyard. He's like, this is my backyard. He's, he's like, you notice that my backyard has fences around it. He's like, mm-hmm. this, is, this isn't because me and my neighbor, Mark, aren't friends. We're dear friends. Mm-hmm. And pardon my French for saying this. He's like, but this fence divides my shit with his shit. Mm-hmm. This is my shit, <laughs> and that's his shit. I take care of this shit on this side of the fence, and he takes care of his shit <laughs> on the other side of the fence. He's like, we think we're really swell together. We have beers together. We hang out. We even do a little bit of business here and there together. However, my shit, his shit. <laughs> right which that idea to me makes a whole lot of sense you know and that's just that's one way to well, look at it right agree um, I, and i think most people do agree yeah. this whole um you know like like this like um i mean i used to be a democrat so don't get me wrong i'm i'm, I'm independent so i have no skin in either game but mm-hmm. this seems to be a theme of the democratic party this whole yeah. Open border. They're saying open borders, open borders. Okay, if you're not for the wall, fine. But now it's open borders. That's kind of scary to me. I yeah. I mean, and I'll be blunt by saying that does scare me a little bit too. I mean, because how do you? I mean, look as a as a citizen of this country, and I mean, I want to keep this keep this out of the political uh, arena as I can, but. As a, as a citizen of this country, I have done everything myself, at least. Uh, I've paid all my taxes, never missed never missed a year. Uh, I do all my civic duties that I have, which in this country, you don't really have jury duty. That's really all you have in this country. You're, there's no draft, right? You really you have jury duty and more or less obey the laws of the land, right? Um, there's not much really asked of you. Um, so I've, I've followed through with that. I, and mainly I've paid my taxes, right? Uh, yeah. and, and I'm monitored. I know that I'm monitored by, uh, oh my God, my brain's stopping now from all this, all this information going into it. Um, IRA? The, the IRS. Thank you. IRS, I know I'm monitored IRA. by the IRA. Irish Republican army? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I know I'm monitored by the IRS. I, you know, but I'm following, I'm playing the game, right? I don't always like the rules of the game. I'm not a big fan of the rules of the game uh, on a lot of on a lot of occasions and days, but I play the game because that's what helps feed me and my family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I am I subject myself to that. And again, open borders that idea. I don't know exactly how it would go. Maybe it would be this this utopian idea that some people have that well, if we just get rid of all the borders, people can just go as free as they want, and it'll be totally great. Maybe it'll work out that way. I mean, I'm open minded to that too, uh, but. I think the reason that there is this debate about it is like, no, if you want to come somewhere, you have to declare that you want to be here and you have to acclimate and do all these other little things, too. And there's countries uh, such as Australia, and I don't have all the facts on this. I'm not a political scientist, but I know it's very expensive to become a citizen of Australia. I I think probably for a lot of these reasons that we're talking about. Right. But I mean, I'm not I mean, and that's just kind of like looking at just looking at the facts here, seeing what these ideas are. Right. Um it's it's scary nonetheless that there's this idea and, and, and it ties in well you know to stay on point here this is another idea like you said of what a one world government could be correct i mean this is one of the steps That's, to the one world one world government right it's it's a real big step uh, get get rid of the the borders and we we already have a skeletal 
plan for a one world government. I, I call it the UN. Uh, I, to me, that is, we pay 48% of the UN and uh, we get, you know, one out of 193 votes for the General Assembly. Um, we're, we're on the Security Council, which, okay, yeah, great. Is, is that worth 48% of, you know, several billion dollars? Uh, I, I mean, we're $22 trillion in debt. Do we need the UN? I don't think so. I think a lot of citizens don't think so. But nonetheless... If we want to, if the inner circle wants a one world government, well, what better skeleton to start than what we have already in place, which mm -hmm. I think that's what the UN is really all about. Okay. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how does the UN fit in? That's clearly how, how the, that with this skeleton you're talking about, that's one piece of that too, correct? Absolutely. <sighs> That they're they and they're they've shown their colors. They've written uh, agendas that basically say new world order. So um, I, I don't. I mean, it, it's over. It's out in the open. It's not. Nothing's hidden anymore. This is where we're going. And um, I don't know if even if we wanted to, I don't know if we could stop it. Well, Dina, let me but, ask you this though. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just no. thought about this. I mean, and let's just, I'm not playing devil's advocate, I'm just thinking out loud here. With this idea of one world government, what if it's not that bad of an idea? And I'm just, I'm just, think, I'm just throwing ideas out here, right? What if this idea where if this, this whole thing gets put in motion, right? And over the next 50 years, uh, let's, uh, let's just throw 50 years out there, um, the world, the way our world, the way our life is as people, it evolves into this idea of a one world government. What if it blossoms into something that may be beneficial for everybody on the planet? Um, have you, has it been something that you may have thought about? And I mean, I'm not arguing for this. I'm just thinking about all the angles here, more or less. Well, I, Karl Marx wrote him, himself uh, about capitalism. You, you can't, you can't unite uh, uh, the masses under a capitalist society. Uh, why? Because uh, capitalism is about human nature. We all want to get recognized or get paid for education and work that we have achieved, right? Yeah. That's, that's the American way. If I can invent something that, that people will want to buy, then I should be able to make as much money as possible. And um, that human interest is what it, uh, capitalism depends on. And I think history has shown us that that is how us humans work. If it's in our interest, we're motivated. If it's not in our interest, well, we're not really that motivated. Uh, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if you're talking about uniting the masses under a political system, it can't be capitalism. Because now you're going to have to share which is where we, the, uh, you know, and I use the, I use quote unquote rich nation because I don't think we're rich. How, how can you be rich when you're $22 trillion in debt? But yeah, um, <laughs> good, good point. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, people claim that we're rich and um, how, how is this rich? How are the rich nations going to handle sharing everything that they have? with the nations that aren't rich. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, God bless the caravans and God bless the immigrants, 
but do you want to open up your house to them and, and let them live with you while they figure it out? Well, I, I don't. Well, um, well yeah, and I, I think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dina. What were you going to say? I'm saying this, what's going on right now is kind of like a prelude to, to what's this, what it it happened in England. That's why we have Brexit because they couldn't control the mass wave of poor immigrants that flooded the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we're again, we are already, a lot of people are uncomfortable about all of the programs, all of the billions of dollars in tax money that were given to these illegals and these asylum programs. So now let's take it up about 300, 400 notches. Uh, Now you you might have to share your home with somebody like they did in Russia. Uh, Now you might not have a home because uh, we're gonna get rid of personal property. Again, personal property is a big component of capitalism. We can't have capitalism because it just won't work for the masses. So here we are in America. There are some, depending on what side of the fence you're on, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to have a gun. They're going to confiscate it. Whether you have a license or not, none of that's going to matter. They're going to go door to door and do it. They already did it right here in Texas, a trial run called Jade Helm. So whatever you believe in guns, it doesn't really matter. You mm-hmm. won't have one. Mm-hmm. So that way you can't fight back. The, they're going to take your property. They're going to take your bank account. They're going to make you uh, whatever you've accumulated, um, whatever tiny sliver of a piece of pie that you carved out for you and your family so you can have somewhat of a retirement. Poof, it's gone. And I I don't think people get that. This is a very much a haves versus the haves nots. And they want to wipe all that away and, and reset everything where we're all broke. Every single one of us is the same. And now we've got this inner circle that are untouched because they knew it was coming. They planned for it. Their lifestyle is even better. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and not to get too much, too, too much into it. But again, Karl Marx, I mean, Karl Marx believed that religion had no place in socialistic societies. Well, right now we're a religion, at least uh, Christian religion and uh, Jewish religions um, and, and Muslim religions too, are kind of looked down upon. And uh, a lot of people think that, you know, people who are religious are, are stupid and they don't know anything about science and la, 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 la. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we've got religious groups popping up that incorporate all of the religions. Uh, I think they call that secretism, where the Pope in um, Italy already, he's got Koran readings, and he's got, you know, uh, National Worship Day, and he invites clergymen of all faiths um, into the church, and he's always inserting himself into politics, and um, is is this good? Not for me. If if you're any if you belong to any particular faith and it's gonna get railroaded with either um, ceasing to be allowed or blended into a melting pot of religions, you're not gonna like that. I mean, we're talking about a whole different life. Uh, no religion, no guns, no money, no property. 
Uh, your education is not going to be education. It's going to be indoctrination. Yeah. We're all, all of our kids are going to be, or, or our grandkids are going to be brainwashed from birth on into a state educational facility. Uh, history is going to be rewritten. I, all these things that are, are, are going to take place to really get this thing moving are not going to be good for your lifestyle that you're used to. Well, one thing I said to a friend of mine over the weekend, we were chatting about something like this, and I said, I asked him, I'm like, what's the first thing you think people do when they get when they come into money? Let's say you get a large inheritance or something like that. We were discussing this, these ideas, and I asked him, like, what is the first thing you think people do when they come into a large amount of money, if they, if they do? And, uh, you know, we kind of went back and know. forth. Well, the first thing that people do almost nine, I'll say 99% of the time, is they separate themselves from everybody else. They buy property that's in the country. Sound familiar? They buy mm -hmm. property out in the country where they don't have neighbors and they have quiet, right? That's the first thing people do when they come into, if they come into a large sum of money where they can do something like that, is they separate themselves, right? Now, I think we all do that to a certain degree. I live in a house with another person who's sitting across a table from me, and I'm just using this as an example. I'm not trying to make you into a statistic or anything, um, but I, you know, I live in a, we live in a house together, and we have our own little piece of property here. It's not huge, right? But it's our own thing. It's our own domicile. It's our dwelling, right? Um, and going yeah. into that idea, you know, what I just said, depending on whatever scale it is, yeah, if you get people want peace. People want to live in peace. They want to live in quiet a lot of times, right? Especially me. Yeah. <laughs> I want quiet around here. Uh, but people want that. And yeah, the this idea that you're talking about, okay, well, everything, we're going to wipe the slate clean. It don't matter what you have. You're all going to be put, you know, this is going to be a completely horizontal setup here. We're all on the same thing. So, and we're going to jumble you up and you know, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. So you lived in that three hundred thousand dollar house. Well, you're going to have about ten more families that live there now too. You guys are going to be sharing that house now because we're leveling everything out now, and this is the way it's going to work out, right? I don't think um, there's too many people, whether they're for or against this idea, that are going to be happy about that. Right. I I don't think that. I mean, again, I'm I I have my own thoughts on this, but I'm just actually thinking about all these ideas that you're you're putting out there, and yeah. I can honestly say I don't think I'd be happy if somebody came knocking on my door and said, hi, I'm the government, and we're going to have five more people moving into your house. That would drive me and Amber nuts because we, we get on each other's nerves enough as it is with just the two of us here. So, yeah. I mean, but while joking aside, that's not, how, that's not what I've worked for, I guess, what I'm saying. Um, and it goes back to the idea of capitalism that, yeah, I don't like the game personally. There's a lot of days that I'm not happy about it, but I know that what game I need to play um, in order to have, yeah, my, have my little house and have my comfort and, and be where I'm happy, you know, right? Um, I think that's what most people strive for. I think a lot of people, George Carlin, the comedian, said this a long time ago. He said, most people have humble dreams. Most people don't want the entire world. They have a humble dream in their life. And a lot of people, yeah, they want to they wanna get a little home. They want to maybe have a couple of children, right? Um have a have a, have a decent income have it have a meal every day and that's what most people i think they 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 strive for it, that's their idea of happiness and i think that's fantastic right and then there's that small percentage we're talking about i think especially dina 
that want it all to the yeah. point where it's 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 the, it makes them sick in the mind. I think yeah. the one thing, all my years of studying this stuff, I think people, this inner circle we're talking about, this cabal we're talking about, I think these are people that truly do have, I mean, whether it, it, they're addicted, it's a money addiction, it's a power addiction, and, and you can you can get that. I've, I've seen people get this before. I think we've all experienced that with people in our lives where they have some type of mania for something. Maybe they do experience a little bit of that rush of power where they have power over a person or a group of people. Uh, and I can understand where that would give you a rush, right? These people we're talking about, though, I think they're sick. They're really yeah. sick people. Uh, and I don't, and again, I'm not a political scientist. I'm not an expert on any of these things. But I think that's common sense right there. Like, okay, there's something really wrong with you if this is what you want with people is to not let them live their lives. Well, I, I, Scott, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. It's it, the American dream. Yeah. Uh, to own your own home, to have your own family, to, you know, not work till you're 95, but yeah. maybe retire when you're 65. Uh, yeah. These little things, that's that's what that's what keeps us plugging. That's what keeps us getting up in the morning every day and going to work. And, um, you know, you, you throw new world order into the mix, forget about it. It it's over. And I, I don't really think anybody gets it. I'm, you know, there are a lot of people in this country who they're never going to own a house. And for, for reasons, um, some maybe not their fault, some for being irresponsible, some yeah. for not being able to hold down a job. Yeah. So they don't really care. It sounds like a good idea. Well, I don't have anything, so something would be better than nothing. And, and of course, we've got, you know, p poverty all over the world. Yeah. So, you know, living in a, in a mud hut in the middle of nowhere it, uh, with, you know, no water to drink half the time yeah. coming here and sharing a house with a couple other families, that would be heaven to them. That'd be a dream come true for them. Yeah. It's a matter, yeah. it's a matter of perspective, I think. And I, and that's where I do see the different sides of this thing. Well, some, con well, some people would laugh at us having this conversation like, oh, you guys are complaining about someone else moving into your home with you because. Oh, I know. Because there's countries where people have to live five, six families in a, in a yeah. unit. You know, that's they have no option and that's yeah. their only life. So they'd look at us and be like, uh, what? And I, and I, you know what? I know. And so we speak exactly. from a certain level of privilege discussing this as like an annoyance to us it's you know and it's like it's crazy i'm not saying there's I, i'm not saying there's anything annoying me i'm and i'm looking i'm looking at this thing. i want to be very clear about this too to anybody listening to this i know i'm looking at this i do want to look at this from that viewpoint you just said dina if i was sitting there and i was in poverty in this country in the united states right i could see where they'd say well wait a minute so if we make some changes here I'll be able to live in a place with, you know, five other people, but I'll, I'll have a guaranteed roof over my head, guaranteed um, three hots in a cot, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, guaranteed whatever work I do, I'm gonna, I'll be busy. That don't sound too bad. That idea don't sound too bad. And I'm going to keep jumping back to that point. I think it's just this, this whole thing really is a matter of perspective. The argument is a matter of perspective. Yeah, when you're coming from a place of privilege that you may have earned – I'd like to point out too, if you if you've yeah, earned that home, exactly. And I think some people. That's why some people take this. This argument is taken very personal by some people because, look, there's the idea of privilege. Yeah, it's one thing, but I know 
majority of people I know, we've all worked for our homes. We've all put the time in and saved and done all the work to get there, yeah. right? Um, so that's why I think some people will take offense to that and say, no, 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 I, I work for all this and you're not going to come just walking in here and take over my home. This is my home, right? I try, I'm trying, you know, obviously to look at all sides of this thing. But the idea is very scary, Ow. though, Dina. Oh, it's just freaky. I, I don't well, know what else to say. Uh, it's it, it that that's what this uh, this is all about, and uh, you know, and we're we're seeing a little taste of it with as the heat's turned up with all these caravans coming in, and um, you know, you feel terrible for these people. I would yeah. do the same. I'd, I'd be marching across wherever I was from to come here too. Absolutely. Uh, I don't blame them at all, but I do blame this country for a allowing this to happen. We can't afford it. Yeah. We cannot afford it. And um, I, 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 what are we supposed to do? I, I don't know what the answer is. Neither do we, I. We, yeah. Go, go ahead. Um, if, we don't do, if we don't do anything, it's just going to, you know, yeah. march us forward to a socialist society, march us forward to new world order uh, again, uh, get rid of our capitalist ways, and and I'm not saying capitalism is good. It, it's not. It, it's based on self interest. If you ever seen an episode of American Greed, it, it's ridiculous to me. It, it's you know the guy's got ten mansions and eight yachts and three planes, and he's still stealing from uh, old ladies' retirement funds and their uh, you know their mutual funds or whatever, and. Like, what is the matter with you? That's a sick person. Uh, it's a sick person. You can't, uh, I mean, what was that, what was that guy's uh, pharma bro they called him? The guy who was charging like $700 for, for, for pills that were only like 50 cents a piece or something like that. He was recently, he, he went to jail recently. I forgot his name. Um, but that, that that idea right there, this it's man. It's like what the whole pharmaceutical world does. Well, that's what. But, and that's what <laughs> yeah. this. That's what this. Well, this. What that's what this. This guy's name was. They called him the pharma bro because he was a young guy and he he was working in pharmacy industry and he was charging literally seven hundred dollars for pills that were fifty cents. Um, what was it for? Like a sports supplement? It was, or something? No, it was actually for a. It was for a treatment. A treatment for the AIDS virus. Huh. So a treatment that people needed. They would die without it. Hmm. Um, he found that opportunity. And that, to me, same same idea. A person, a normal person who has some degree of caring and nurturement about them as a person who does care at least a little bit, they're not capable of that kind of behavior. That's, a, that, that's the work of a sick individual. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. There, there is something about yeah. the more money you you acquire, the more money you all of a sudden need. It, it it's an addiction. It's, an it's addiction. like a drug addiction. Well, people get a, they get accustomed to a certain lifestyle too. Like I got to have my Gucci handbag, or I have to have this, yeah. you know, type of car, and well, I need to have the money coming yeah, in to yeah. keep supplementing that lifestyle. A mentor of mine told me years ago, and I think this is very true. They said, the more money you make, the more money you spend. It's a very simple equation. And it's it's 100% it's true. I've seen it in, with my friends. I've seen it with myself, too. Um, it, it's a very So when you get to that, when you are up into that echelon of money, millions and millions, the money will never begin to imagine, right? Um, you grow into that lifestyle. 
You grow into living like that and having that whatever luxuries that come along with that. And I think that warps a person. I really think that that... Yeah, like if your normal dinner tab's like $600, yeah, that's that, just like that's, what? That's warping. That's, that's our month. That's like, that's what we spend on food in a month. Yeah, if that. Right? I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. Um, Dina, I want to talk about your books for a couple minutes here. Um, because I tell you, I, I would love to keep talking about this. <laughs> we'll keep you on the phone but my, forever. <laughs> but my doctor, but my doctors told me I have to work on my blood pressure <laughs> and I'm really pissed right now. Not at you, but in general, because all this is, it's upsetting. I, I, one thing, one thing I learned when I started studying stuff like this, one world government and the idea of the Illuminati and all the, a lot of things we talked about tonight. I had a conversation, this is like over 20 years ago, I had a conversation with a friend about this too. And I said, you know, and I, I guess what the young people call it now is they call it being woke, this idea oh. of being woke, right? <laughs> Back then, I just called it an epiphany or, you know, an enlightenment, right? Yeah. And, I, and I had this conversation with a friend, I'm like, man, I've been really reading up on all this stuff and, you know, I'm not taking it all hook, line and sinker. But a lot of the stuff I've read makes a whole lot of sense. And it's really freaking me out, man. He's like, stressful being enlightened, isn't it? <laughs> and it's true. He's like, <laughs> he's like, it's really stressful being enlightened and having this stuff on your shoulders, knowing that every day you're having to live in this type of society and this type of stuff. So, yeah, and that whole point is just that. I got I to gotta watch my blood pressure. So I want to talk about your books for a couple minutes, if we could, Dina. Um, I know sure. you're, you're, now you're the most recent, your eighth book. It's a, it's called crowns and cabals, right? Yes. I think it's, I, it's, uh, I, it just came out mm -hmm. uh, about a month ago and it, it's a futuristic tale, not too much in the future. It's, uh, 20, 2043. It starts and, um, it, it everything that we're talking about is, is kind of the lead up. And then of course the unthinkable happens and, there's a nuclear war that happens, you know, chapter one. I'm not giving the book away by by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And in ushers the new world order. And it goes from there. And um, uh, my characters are um, going to fight it. They're, they're not going to fight big. They're going to just do small little vigilante type of things in their own protest and um as as kind of a, a symbol and it gives them hope to to hang on and um then they stumble upon an ancient crown and um it, then it goes from there and of course there's a cabal involved of course there's um a new world order inner circle and, and all of that so mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in that uh, um you'd love the book now, uh, my other books, they all have a conspiracy theme. Uh, every single one of them. Um, and these are all the, story. These are all. These are all work. I mean, I don't want to say works of fiction, but they're stories you've written, correct? Yes, they're technically. I have one nonfiction book. It's called Big Pharma, Big Agra, and Big Conspiracy. That's my only nonfiction mm -hmm. book. Uh, the rest of them are fiction, but uh, I, to me, they're um, a lot of truth in them. Yep. Uh, a lot of. Uh, so, you know, if you like to learn something, you, you like to, um, mix facts with fiction for entertainment value, then, um, please check me out. You know, I find that the older I get, the more it seems to me that works of fiction and comedy, uh, stand up comedy, which is something I love, um, yeah. those two mediums, like, you know, stories, fictional stories, let's say, and, 
and comedy, which is generally, you know, works that have been written by a person too. Um, those two mediums to me are very important because the more, as I said, the older I get, the more I am learning about the world around me. Because I think, as you said, I think even when a person like yourself writes a story down, they write a, a story that, you know, it has, it has some type of chronological run to it. Um, that's based on something. It's based on some type of fact. It's based on some type of truth or some type of idea that, you know, maybe yourself as a writer would have. And comedy also. Um, it's the same thing. I found some of the most ridiculous stuff that people say are based on real life truths we we're living with in, in today's society. So I'm not saying those two things really are married together, but those are the two things that I've found is, you know, fictional stories of this sort. I, I think I've done honestly, like, you know, sci-fi, for example. I mean, I've been such a sci-fi fan for so many years and that has, and again, it's related, but not related. It's made me think so hard about things around me and, and ideas and what the future may hold. And that's what, that's what, uh, I'm sorry. My brain just stopped here a second. Oh, uh, Crowns and cabals is about, uh, it's about the future. I'm not saying it's sci-fi, but it's about the future. What could happen in the future? Right. I think go ahead. It's, I, I do sci-fi. I do a lot of sci-fi. So uh, yeah. there's a lot of uh, science fiction in it too. And I, I agree with you. I, I think horror and sci-fi um, seem to hit on a lot of um, prophecy, a lot of truths, a lot of predictions. Yeah. And uh, I, I, they're just a really cool way of learning. I, I, by the way, my day job, I'm an English teacher. So, oh, far oh, out. Great. Uh, That's very I, cool. Yeah. My, I do, I do uh, enjoy a good story. Well, you know, and the thing about horror, you mentioned horror too. I'm noticing now that horror, contemporary horror, like that movie Hereditary, which I can't say enough good things. I, I can watch that movie over. Amber knows. I watched that movie over and over and over again. Um, I think contemporary horror and Hereditary's uh, contemporary horror film, along with a lot of other films, they're not relying on the shock value of things. I mean, there's a shock value, but not on a visual level, like, you know, horror films of, you know, which I love near and dear to my heart from the 70s and 80s, for example, even into the 90s. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of the what we call horror and shock were the visual thing, lots of blood and guts and then all kinds of monsters running around and kind of gross at times, whatnot. And that was the shock element. What I'm finding now in contemporary horror, and I say that in quotes, is um, the shock is coming on a more mental level. It's more of a, di- more of a yeah. disturbing thing to your mind where it hooks into your mind and you can't get it to go. like it. Which I think is a total Twilight Zone it's, like, it's that a, was just more of that mental. It's a mental thing, which I love. Right? Um, I've seen some horror films. They said, "Well, this is a horror movie," and I watch it. I'm like, and I'm still kind of stuck in that mentality of of the 70s and 80s, where it was just you know, it's a horror movie. It's got to have blood shooting all over the place, right? Uh, and I watch these movies, and it's like, this is a horror to the mind. This mental, isn't just yeah. horror. This is a mental horror we're seeing here, and. It's hard to get out. It, to me, it's disturbing. I mean, I've, some of these movies I've seen recently, I mean, there's some that I'm completely obsessed with on a on an artistic and intellectual level. But some of them I've watched, I'm like, I don't want to watch that again. I feel dirty. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't deal with it. But it makes you think, though, 
too, right? I mean, because again, yeah. it's like I again I mentioned this movie Hereditary. It, it makes you think, and, and I please watch it because I'd like to hear what you think about it. But it makes me think about cabals, like we were talking about for the last hour and a half here. Um, you know, are there groups out there really doing stuff like this? Which I believe there are, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, man, I didn't expect for this to go this way, but I'm very happy it. It did, Dina. I, I really learned a lot here tonight, um, and I hope you enjoyed yourself, Dina. I, I, oh. I really do hope you enjoyed yourself. Scott, you and Amber are total the hostesses, host and hostess with the mostest. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. And are you two married? We've been together for fifteen years, something like that. Yeah. 14? 15, 15. 15 years. Fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. You, you guys seem to have a chemistry together, and. Uh, <laughs> You're both one, both wonderful hosts, and I, I had a great, great time. Uh, had had uh, a woke slash enlightened <laughs> conversation with you both. And, yeah, yeah. Um, really enjoyed myself. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, as I said, that's that's our number one goal here. And you know, number one, I want to say thank you again, Dina, for taking the time. I, you know, and I hope we didn't. I think before we started here tonight. I forgot to mention, like, we just kind of go. I know. We're bad about <laughs> saying, bad like, about oh, that. you know, raise your hand if you need to use the bathroom. Yeah. You know, we'll give you the hall pass. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I we hope. we can stop recording at any time. I so. hope we didn't keep you for yeah. too long, Dina. Oh, I loved it. Ghostly talk. Did you ever share this